Well, I see that we had a communication breakdown. This was Pirate Sunday, and we don't have we don't have much participation from the audience. I'm very upset that I'm the only one that showed up dressed for the occasion. <clears throat> Forgive me. Uh, I've, I've had some eye trouble this week. You, most of you know I have an eye condition that we've uh, prayed about and worked with for several years, and it just seems to have gone into rebellion the last few days, and I didn't want to frighten any women or children. Uh, so this is probably the best thing for me. I do ask you to pray for me, though, because I'm, I'm having trouble seeing my, uh, my daddy. Whenever it was time for him to change glasses, he'd say, well, I'm blind in one eye and can't see out the other, and that's the way I feel today. Um, I'm having a lot of trouble uh, seeing, which means I may just lose my place and preach two and a half hours. I don't know, but uh, uh, thank you for bearing. With, oh, thank you for bearing uh, for bearing with me. Let's begin, as is our custom, with the, the Lord's Prayer, and then I want to pray for the church. Let Let me say this before we pray. Um, we have said for quite some time that um, not only is there the pandemic, but there are so many factors in society that are being shaken and tested. God takes that verse he gave us very seriously, and we need to, where he said the days are coming when uh, he will shake everything uh, in existence so that only the unshakable can remain. And he's been shaking a lot. And um, I know that we are still in a tense time. I know that uh, there has been a, a declaration in the election, and I also know that half of America is saying, no, it's not real. We've got to have the, the, the court hear it out. And I, I want you to understand, regardless of who the president is, or regardless of whether Joe Biden won or, or that ends up being contested, that's not our job to make that declaration. It is our job to pray for our nation, to pray for righteousness and for what is right to be done. I, I've tried for two days to figure out how do I deal with this? How do I say this? And loved ones, I realize that um, I, I, nothing I can say is going to please everyone. But our job is to proclaim the gospel. Our job is to live out this thing called Christianity. And our job is not to take our progress reports from this world. So we're going to commit ourselves to continuing to pray that the right thing will be done. And we as a church will pray for a President Biden or a President Trump. Um, we, we, we have opinions. We, we think elections do matter. But we are commanded to uh, be the salt and light in our society, whatever that looks like. So uh, I just want to encourage you to just keep praying, stay steady, don't give in to rage and anger and frustration, but give in to the Spirit of the Lord that gives us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And as I've said from the beginning, we're not deviating from the gospel. We're building a church, we're building the kingdom, and, and that's where our focus remains. So don't let the enemy, regardless of what your view might be, skew you from the path that we've committed to. Uh, let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, and help our nation, um, help us to understand what's happening and help us to pray with intelligence and to pray the peace of God over the United States of America. We give you thanks because you're going to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I've only done twice what I'm about to tell you. 
One time I was asked to preach at a church. I'm not sure why I was asked to preach there. Maybe it was because I was cheap. And uh, I mean, they knew I had a church. I, I didn't need any offering to preach there. And um, I had a message planned. I walked into the church and I began to see in the spirit, actually began to see demonic activity. And I preached a message uh, which shifted from, uh, you know, God is good and everything he does is good or something like that to you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart near you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. And uh, I did not preach what I wanted to preach. I apologized to the pastor afterwards. He says, no, you did exactly right. And um, I know I did right because the church is closed and doesn't even exist anymore today. <laughs> that was a tough one. I, I, it, it, I was blindsided. I, I think I did right. But it's not, that's not the kind of thing that I normally do. One other time it happened, I went to preach a revival for a friend. And um, I, again, I got there and I saw in the spirit something I did not want to see. I dreamed that night. I had demonic encounters in the parsonage where I was staying. And God showed me the history of the church that had covered, I think, some 40 years. Showed it to me in a dream. Showed me demonic spirits. Named them. I talked to the pastor and he said, you're exactly right. That's exactly the way it's been. I preached the message and, it, and it, it, was, it was redemptive. It was a, you know, we can be led by this or we can be led by this. And after um, two messages, one of the leaders of the church came up to me and I really liked the guy. I really liked him and I really liked his family. He was, he was the kind of guy if I, I would be friends with. And he came up to me after I'd preached that message and I called the church to repentance. And uh, he said, you know, I don't know what I believe anymore. And he meant that, I think, as frustration, maybe as a slam against my preaching. And I put my hand on my shoulder and I said, my brother, I think this may be the wisest thing you've ever said. I said, you are at a remarkable place. I said, I think you're like the guy Jesus spoke about who said, you're not far from the kingdom. But I want to tell you as I stand before the Lord, you're not part of the kingdom. You're part of a church and you're part of a system and you're part of a political power, but you're not part of the kingdom. But you can be, if you really mean this, I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and you will begin to see what you need to see. And he looked at me like I had just grown a second head. And he said, I don't think I want that. And I said, okay, it's, it's your decision. It's moments like that, that number one, make me so proud of Christian life. You're the most fabulous people on planet earth and no, no pastor would ever feel more love than I do here at the church. So I'm thankful for you, but I'm also reminded that we need to be very careful that we not only start well and run well, but then that we finish well. I think about the church in Ephesus. Now, if, Please understand, this is, this is not a prophecy about our church. This is simply me laying out a principle before you. Um, I think about the church at Ephesus, and I read the book of Acts, such an anointed and fabulous beginning at that church. I mean, founded by Paul and by a team of co-workers that most churches would kill to have. Um, I think about uh, the pastoral leadership that we know of during the first few years, they were led by Paul. They were led by Timothy. And church history tells us that they were led by John, John the Beloved. In fact, when you read 1 John, you're reading what John's writing to the church at Ephesus. He was the, the pastor for a season of time there and spent his life there. Um, not only was John there, but he had been given the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you've got somebody like Mary heading up covered dish dinners. 
and women's ministries and Sunday school. And um, a a phenomenal church. They were known for doctrinal purity. By the time uh, we get through the, the apostolic age and we're at the end of it where John, as far as we know, is the only apostle left, the church at Ephesus is one of the churches cited in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 as typical and symbolic of all the churches in Asia Minor. And they were told that they had amazing doctrinal purity. I mean, it's hard to not have doctrinal purity when you have a pastor like Paul, who's followed by a pastor like Timothy, who's followed by a pastor like John. Doctrinal purity was not their problem. They even had successfully said, you call yourself an apostle? We'll decide if you're an apostle. He said that you, Jesus, commended them by saying even the high and lofty apostolic gift and everything under it, you have tested and you have either approved those who were apostles or you have exposed those who were not. That's pretty pretty lofty thing. But the last thing that's said about this church is that you have done everything right except you've lost your first love. He said, repent and do what you used to do. Um, Loved ones, usually when the church gets off track, it's not that they need a new building or they need a new PR department. It's usually that they need to get back to doing what they used to do. And that was the case with Ephesus. And the frightening thing about Ephesus, this was the premier church in the book of Acts as far as I'm concerned. Now Antioch served its purpose. Antioch sent the church to the Gentiles and was phenomenal. The Jerusalem church sent uh, the gospel to the Jews and it was phenomenal. But Ephesus did something that was given to us as, a, as such a precious gift. It was given to us as a model to see it in its birth, there in its conception, its development. And the frightening, terrifying thing is that we see the death of this church or we see it foretold. Now, what I'm trying to come across to you, this is not a message Christian life is about to die. Oh no, just the opposite. I, I, I don't believe that for a moment. But I do believe that what can be true in a church can be true in an individual life. And I'll tell you something else. I think if something like this could happen in a place like Ephesus where it's unthinkable, I think we as members of Christian life need to spend every day. Oh, hey. I just see y'all over here now. Okay. Crowd's better than I thought it was. I see these folks over here. Um, We need to be aware, loved one. Listen to me. We need to be aware that the moment we take our eyes off Jesus, we start down a path, even if our doctrine's right, even if our orthodoxy is pristine. Adrian Rogers used to say, your theology can be as straight as a gun barrel and just as cold and empty. And we don't want that to happen. I tell you, I, I don't mean to complain. I just, and I, I just, it's rather the Lord use somebody else as an example, but he did it with Jeremiah. He did it with Ezekiel this week I, uh, for the last two weeks. I, I've had, I've had trouble. I just, I, I did something to my back. I don't know what I did. You say, well, you're old. I'm not that old. <laughs> I just began to get tight and I took a step and I I basically couldn't walk without great pain. And there were several days I just could not walk more than a few steps without having to stop, regroup, maybe stretch out. It was a miserable time. And then it starts getting better and I wake up with my eye tormenting me. It's the pain, the, the, the irritation tormenting me. And, um, I didn't know if I needed to cry out for healing or rebuke the devil or all of the above. And um, I'm the kind of person, whenever I get sick, I automatically go to the spirit. Is this a spiritual cause or is this a physical cause? And uh, sometimes you have insight, you know, sometimes you don't. 
But I want to tell you something. After about two and a half weeks of being unable to move and unable to see very well, as I was waking up this morning, I felt the Lord, and I, I, I say this very cautiously because we've got prophetic words all over the place out there right now. And I say this very, very cautiously, but the Lord seemed to speak to my heart that the church must know, they must know that if they don't turn to me with all of their hearts, that's not about an election, but in this age, he says, if the church doesn't turn to me with all their heart, they will not be able to see what they need to behold and they will not be able to walk out what I've called them to do. And loved ones, I, I pray that we, as we walk through this, this won't be over. I said weeks ago that an election is not going to solve what we're under as a nation. I told you I believe we're under judgment. I still believe that we're under judgment. And I said an election will not fix it, whether it's for Biden or whether it's for Trump. Something has to happen in the heart of America, and an election doesn't heal the heart of America. And we as a church need to understand that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, of which we are a part, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must understand that God is after something in us that can't be reported on Fox News. It can't be reported in CNN. And it's whether or not our hearts have turned to the true and the living God so that we begin to see what he's saying and we begin to lay aside all of these filters and the scales begin to drop from our eyes and we rise to walk, not in what we have ordained, but what God has ordained. That's why John wrote these words. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to to walk in it, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to take two or three Sundays, they may not be in a row, and talk about the theme of avoiding the trap of spiritual seduction. Today I want to talk about how to recognize deceiving spirits. Loved ones, the thing about deceiving spirits is that you often don't know you're deceived until you're set free. It's like being asleep. You don't know you're dreaming sometimes until you wake up. You don't know you're asleep until you wake up. So we need to walk down a path where we are sure that we are seeing with the true eyes of the Spirit. And that we are walking in obedience to the true Word of God. And there's two paths that every church can take, that every individual can take, that, that every family can take. Number one, we can choose to walk in what we perceive as right, and it may be right, but I want to tell you this, God will confirm it to you if it's right. Or we may need to say, Lord, examine my heart. What is driving me? What is motivating me? We are in a culture right now on whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. <coughs> Excuse me. People are driven by rage and anger and hurt. We say nobody understands me unless they've been through what I've been through. And then if you differ with them, well, they haven't been through it as bad as I've been through it. And I see mass deception in this side and this side, I see, I see a, 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 an attempt from hell to divide the church of the living God. And we have to come back to what's real. We have to come back to what is solid. We've got to come back to spiritual truth and not walk in spiritual deception. John said, dear children, this is the last hour. This is where we want to focus today. You say, well, that was the last hour. That was 2,000 years ago. Well, understand, whenever the Bible talks about the last days, it's not talking about the last seven years of history, known as the Great Tribulation. That's the last of the last days. But the last days began with Jesus Christ's death on the cross. 
and his proclamation of the kingdom. The last days began on the day of Pentecost when the church was born and the spirit was poured out. Those begin the last days and it seems like a long time to us these 2,000 years, but God has, has called this era we're in the last days. And we need to understand that when the last days, as we've been taught about, you know, evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, that sort of thing, that's not going to suddenly happen when the right pope is selected or the right president is elected or the right this, or the right that. It's been something that's in progress for 2,000 years. And like the wheat and the tares, righteousness and evil are going to come to maturity, and we're going to understand that there will be an epic conflict of righteousness and unrighteousness, of Jerusalem and Babylon, and it will culminate and it will resolve in seven years in a period called the Great Tribulation. I do believe in a literal seven-year period of Great Tribulation. I, I, people have tried to um, uh, make it a, a, a myth or tried to make it something symbolic. I believe there's a literal Antichrist and I believe there is a literal seven years of Tribulation. I think we've added a lot of stuff to it that may be a lot of hooey. But I believe that very strongly. And what we need to understand is that not only is God pouring out his spirit as we approach that end of the end times, but the enemy is maturing deception as we approach the end of the end times. In fact, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, this won't happen until the man of lawlessness is presented and that's the first thing. And the second thing is that society is overwhelmed by deception and delusion. And even in the church, there's the great falling away. This is how we know this is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no one comes, uh, no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you... The anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming." Now let's set the stage before we tie these, this fourfold uh, thread that John is trying to weave for us here. Deception and delusion are strong characteristics of the last days. Deception and delusion are strong characteristics of the last days. Now hear me, deception speaks of wrong processing. If you are deceived, you are processing wrong. I'm processing wrong. I'm taking the facts and I'm not processing them correctly. There's a great skit that I wanted to show today, but I just knew we wouldn't have time from an old Abbott and Costello movie where he is trying to figure out how many donuts he needs to make for officers um, during, during breakfast one day. And he uses addition multiplication and, and um, let's see, addition, multiplication. Oh, and addition, addition, multiplication, subtraction. 
he, he, uses, he uses three or four ways to show that if you need to make <coughs> seven donuts for 13 officers, you only need to make 28. And he proves it conclusively. You know, it's great. You just need to look it up. He proves conclusively that seven times 13 is 28. And that 28 divided by seven is 13. And he goes on and on. And you say, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. The problem is he has the right numbers, but he has the wrong processing. So deception is wrong processing. And if we don't catch our wrong processing, delusion um, uh, speaks of wrong profession. A person can be wrong, and all that means is that they're wrong. There are different levels of wrong. There are different levels of being in error. Somebody can be in error about doctrine, but that doesn't mean they're of the devil. It just means they were wrong about something. And, and hopefully the Holy Spirit, all of us have been there before. There are things that I've preached against that um, with the passing of time and opening of my heart to the Holy Spirit, I began to embrace. I wasn't bound by a spirit of error or a demon of lies. I was just wrong. And with the passing of time, I changed my mind. And what I said was wrong, I found out was right. Or what I said was right, I found out was wrong. There's nothing wrong or there's nothing terminal about being wrong. But what happens is the danger of never being open to change your processing, never being open to change your profession. You can get, an, you can get a totally false set of, of conclusions and it can lead you into delusion. It can lead you into delusion. Paul, I talked about Ephesus. This is what he said, his last words to that church. And he said this when they were at their height. He said, guard yourselves and God's people. He was speaking to the pastors in Ephesus. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock, even some of your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. Now, let me say this, loved ones, and I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes because I don't have enough time to lay out every nook and cranny of this doctrine and teaching. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will make it alive in your heart. But some issues, um, and, and we, we may call them strongholds, are in the process of the mind. Some strongholds are deeper. They're in the realm of the spirit. That's why when you read the New Testament, it says some behavior is classified as the works of the flesh. They're just your mind. You, 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 a stronghold of the mind is like a rut in a dirt road. Sometimes the ruts are so deep you can let go of the steering wheel and the car will take you home. Because it's just a rut. It's where people have gone so long, the car defaults to the rut. And loved ones, that's a dangerous thing for Christians to be taught something that's not right so long or to be a slave to hurts so long or to carry the wrong baggage for so long that your mind defaults to this. Anytime someone disagrees with you, you're in the rut. Anytime a problem comes up in your life, it's the rut. I'm nothing. I'm no good. My daddy told me I'd never amount to anything and he's right. Those are strongholds that are strongholds of thinking. We don't talk back to ourselves. We don't bring thoughts under the submission of Christ as Paul told us to, and it can create a stronghold. If you're not careful, every time your wife disagrees with you, you will make it rejection. Or every time somebody presents a different thing, well, they're just of the enemy. Because you, now, I mean, we can be that way with truth too, but I'm saying we need to be careful that just because something is a stronghold in our minds doesn't mean it's a stronghold of righteousness. Sometimes it can be absolutely demonic. 
we know that lust, for instance, lust is a battle of the mind. But if lust goes unchecked, it can become a stronghold in your life. And it's, it's not just a problem in your mind, it's a problem in your spirit. It's a darkness that the enemy begins to traffic in. And this is what I want to, to say to you, loved ones. Don't come, become comfortable with the mindset of this world, Paul says in Romans 12. Don't be comfortable with something because you've always thought that. Don't be comfortable with something because it's always been that way. Don't even esteem yourself what you've fallen into because of the way you were raised. He says, but be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, strongholds, as I said, may be of the flesh or they may be demonic. They may be of the devil. And that leads to this last statement that some think is controversial, but um, me and Jesus are fine with it. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say it. Um, I believe that some strongholds, some even demonic strongholds, I believe sometimes they are crowded out. You just get full of God. And I, I believe there are as many demons that flee from us filling our lives with righteousness as there are demons that are cast out. I believe that. Never underestimate the power of doing the right thing. Never underestimate the power of saying the right thing, of believing the right thing, of embracing the right thing. Some demonic darkness in our life is crowded out, but some of it needs to be cast out. The balance is the secret of victory. Now, I want to talk to you very quickly today about three things that we need to be aware of. Now, again, this, this is true whether we inaugurate President Trump or whether we inaugurate President Biden. So, so get rid of the stuff you've been wrestling with. Just lay it to the side. You say, Pastor, I, I need you to help me with it. I've tried and I can't. It, it's, it's, I've done all I can do. We've got to let this thing play itself out and then we've got to submit ourselves to the, to the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand that these three things will fight against you regardless of who's in the White House or the governor's mansion or who controls Congress or the Senate. Now, again, I've said it over and over again. I believe elections matter. I'm not here to say that elections don't matter, but I'm here to tell you, you can get the results you want and still fall prey to deception. John said, I want you to understand this, loved ones. He says, there are those that will deny the Christ. Jesus is center of everything. He says, secondly, there are those that desert the church. And the church is at an all-time low. And I'm going to say it one more time. I've told you at least a half dozen times. Before we realize that the church is winning the cultural battle, we will be convinced that we have lost the cultural battle. Don't be surprised. I mean, some people are ready to write off the church and say the church is a failure. No, no, the church was his idea and you need to quit writing off what Jesus said, I'm going to finish building. There's those that deny the Christ. There's those that desert the church. And right down on a frank, up close level, there are those that deceive the Christian. And that's what we want to look at here this morning. First of all, let's be aware of those who deny the Christ. This is what John said. He said, in the world right now, he, he was writing this to his parishioners in Ephesus back probably around 90 AD. Uh, this and Revelation are the last of the Old Testament or uh, New Testament writings, as far as we can tell. He said, I want you to understand that deception, um, the denial of Jesus Christ, is occurring on three levels. He says, This is the reason. Number one, there is a spirit of Antichrist that's in the world right now. Right now, uh, I, I had a friend of mine, I love him, he's in heaven now. But he brought to me, he said, I, I want you to see it. This was back in the 19, uh, early 1980s. He said, this is a full page ad I bought in the newspaper in our hometown. And I said, uh, let me see it. And he said, come tonight and I will identify the Antichrist. I know who he is. 
And he was convinced. I asked him to explain it, and he, he, was, he was convinced. There were a lot of good reasons, but a lot of bad reasons. And both my friend and the Antichrist have died and gone on to their reward. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, loved ones. There is a spirit of Antichrist that's in the world. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist in the world is marked and identified by the idea of lawlessness. Now I know that's a tense word and everybody puckers up when they hear the word lawlessness. Pastor, you're talking about this, you're talking about the mobs, you're talking about the demonstrations, or what are you talking about? I'm saying that the spirit of Antichrist is what promotes lawlessness. And we need to understand that the term is used to describe Antichrist. His, his descriptive phrase used by Paul is the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 7. Now, okay, there is a, there is a spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of lawlessness. And it may be, it may be the, the burning down of a city, or it may be the theft of a pocketbook from your grocery basket, but it's still lawlessness. It's still lawlessness. There is not only a, a false spirit of Antichrist that's in the world, but letter B, there are false teachers of Antichrist that are in the world right now. And loved ones, I, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record uh, when I talk about this. And some of you are going to say, well, you haven't talked about that that much. Well, I'm, I'm talking about what I'm going to be talking about, okay? Um, we are in the information age. And there is more garbage. Uh, thank God for, I know, every time I do say this, people say, well, I've got a ministry online and I thank God for social media. I know, I know, I know. God can use anything and thank God he does. But I want to tell you, one of the things we need to be aware of is there is so much garbage on social media. There's so much garbage on the web that the church has lost her voice. Um, somebody, um, and I know this sounds self-serving, forgive me, but somebody sent a, a, a text to me. They were pastoring another church and they said, my folks are so wrapped up into the prophets and tell me which prophets do I tell them to follow? And I wrote back and I said, you stand up like a man and tell them to follow their pastor. I, I, said, I said, God never put prophets in position to lead the church. He gave prophets to point out the heart of God at times and to advise. But I'm telling you, one of the reasons the church in America is so weak and frail is that pastors have failed to lead. There's been afraid they say a little bit of this and a little bit of that. On one hand this, on the other hand that. <clears throat> and I want to tell you what I told him. The last uh, eight months has been a very difficult time to pastor because... You, you just simply aren't allowed to process and you're not allowed to work through things. Silence is called agreement with, with my enemy. And loved ones, some of you need to practice silence. And some of you need to let your pastors, if you're listening to me and you need to go to, and you go to another church, boy, not you need to go to another church. If you go to another church, you need to give your pastors room to hear from God. Because at the end of the day, it's not important that your pastor jump on your bandwagon. At the end of the day, what's important is that your pastor hear from God and be able to speak against the foolishness that we say is the move of the Spirit today. Now, I believe, I believe in the prophetic. I believe in the prophetic. But I am convinced one of the things that God is doing in these days is he is bringing the church back into balance 
and we're not going to get this election resolved and then everything be fine. We're not going to get the economy stabilized and then everything be fine. Everything that can be shaken in regard to the church and the kingdom is being shaken and only those that understand the principles of the kingdom will survive it. God, this is good preaching. He says, he says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. Last hour. You see, he says, listen to me. He says, listen to me. He says, we know that this is the last hour because not only is there a false spirit of Antichrist in the world. You know, I saw a thing somebody had sent me. I can't remember who it was but it was uh, the castaways of Gilligan's Island. And they were opening up a bottle where they had sent out a message and the message in the bottle said, stay where you are, America has gone crazy. <laughs> I don't know if that's prophetic or pathetic. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> he says there are false teachers. He writes about them in his second letter. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. And loved ones, there needs to be an awakening. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that your pastor is the only one you can listen to. That would sound so self-serving. But I am telling you this, you've got to decide if you're going to keep mixing ingredients into your life and try to figure out what the will of God is. Now, God can use a prophet. God can use another pastor. You know, I don't have a pastor, so I, I'm, I'm very dependent on some people that I listen to, to, to be my pastors. Uh, and, but I, I want to tell you, the day is coming when whether you like it or not, we've got to stop trying to be a homogenous mix of every theological view and every pros prophetic perspective and every political um, uh, prophet. We've got to stop trying to pick and choose and, and we've got to decide what is God saying. And then you need to be loyal to that. You say, well, but I like this one. I like that one. Can I tell you this about the religious scene in America? I, I, I want to say this as graciously as I can. If you are wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you are right about. There are cults that don't believe Jesus is the son of God that handle their family business far better than we do in the assemblies of God. I think there are cults that are better organized administratively than we are in most churches in America. But loved ones, you don't walk into to a lie. Or, or let me back it up and say it this way. You don't walk into some truth through the door of a lie. You must understand that whether you're talking about the Mormon church or, the, or, or Islam or whether you're talking about um, Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever you're talking about, the question is not what they believe that is right. The question is what do they believe about Jesus? And even if it says Christian church on the door, that do, we don't need to feel that we're obligated to give a hearing to that viewpoint. We've got to understand if you're wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're right about. The Bible says some people will wrestle the scripture to their own destruction. Peter said as also in all of his epistles, speaking to them of those things in which some things are hard to be understood. Aren't you glad you're not the only one that has trouble understanding Paul from time to time? <laughs> which they are unlearned and ignorant uh, rest as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Guys, I'm sweating. I'm going to have to take it off. Please do not scream in terror. Um, and I'll try to navigate the light here. 
Um, so there is a false spirit of antichrist that's in the world that is responsible for lawlessness. <laughs> I got a bad date on my notes. I can't read the next scripture. <laughs> So in conclusion, <laughs> there's a false spirit of antichrist in the world. There are false teachers in, of antichrist in the world. But there's also going to be the antichrist himself who is manifest in the world. Second Thessalonians, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost through. Please bear with me. Now, this is Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians 2. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters... Regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. This is a time when such prophetic word was floating around. He said, don't be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. For no one is to deceive you in any way, for it will not come that day of the Lord unless the apostasy, some versions say the falling away, unless the falling away comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? See, the church, it, it isn't that the church has not been taught. It's not that we're off somewhere getting new revelation. He says, don't you remember? You've been taught this. You know this. And you know what restrains him now so that he will be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. In other words, there is a restraining force. Some say it's the church. Some say it's simply the hand of God. Then when that restraining hand is lifted, that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming that is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish. Why? Because they did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. Loved ones, this ought to be one of the most frightening prophecies in the Word of God. Because they would not accept the love of the truth. <coughs> For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught. Stop writing the church off. Stop writing previous generations off. Stop saying stupid things and making them your church motto like, this ain't your grandfather's church. That may be your biggest problem. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught. Traditions aren't bad. Some can be, but they are good traditions, whether by word or mouth or letter from us. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. I want to say this to our young Christians, our high schoolers, our college generation. Learn from the heroes of faith of the past. Jesus said that a wise man takes treasures 
from the household of the kingdom. Some of them new, some of them old. There are some things that can be better done. There are some things that need to be done differently. But there are priceless treasures that have been written off by many of our young budding theologians and preachers. And I want to tell you this, it starts in junior high, it intensifies in high school, and, and this is why we are so supportive of Chi Alpha. This is why Chi Alpha is one of the most life and death important ministries that our church supports today. There's a battle on the campuses of our colleges and universities, and I'm sorry to say even our Bible colleges and seminaries. And I want to encourage you, learn to talk back to your textbook. Learn to argue with your professors, even if for the sake of a grade you have to do it silently. I want you to know that even ignorant and unlearned men and women can change the world as they did in the book of Acts when they're filled with God. And I want to say this to those that are my age, our parents, the builder generation, they may have been so driven to give their children what they didn't have that they sometimes forgot to give them what they did have. And we need to understand that we're not serving our children by giving them a better education necessarily. We serve them by giving them a good education. But don't be so foolish as to throw your children into a secular, refined, demonic system in many cases and then wonder why they leave the church. Oh, God, I, just, I, I hate to stop anybody doing this good. <laughs> there are those who deny the Christ. There are those who desert the church. I pretty well said this. Loved ones, the church is not perfect. No church is unflawed. But I want to tell you, there's a movement right now that says, let's just burn down everything that was the church because they become irrelevant. Oh, loved ones, I'm, I'm, I hope you're not taking care of me when I need assistance. I, I hope you're not there to write me off because I can't walk or I can't see or I can't do whatever. You say, well, you're already there now. Well, just temporarily, just temporarily. <laughs> I, I know that, I, I know that People feel like, well, you know, the violence in our society, that's justifiable. And I'm not going to get into a debate over that. But I tell you what, I want to say this as, as, a, as an older guy that's been around the block a few times. You will find fault and you will find bad moments in our government, in our society, in our programs and in our programs, our, our, our cultures. But I want to tell you, if, we, if we're not careful, we will destroy in the name of dealing with failures, we will destroy what we've done right. And we've got to understand that in every house there are treasures, old and new. And I will say this, if we're going to treat the government that way, and if we're going to treat the church that way, we might as well treat each other that way because every one of you, me leading the way, every one of us have moments that need to be burned down in our lives. I mean, you say, well, I, that's, you know, Pastor, I'm a mature Christian. <laughs> well, number one, let me get your wife's opinion on that. <laughs> and number two, even those of us who are mature Christians, there was a time in our life where we operated out of the gift of stupidity. We did things that were foolish. We did things that were wrong. We had failures that were massive. But you were not cast out of your church. You were not cast out of your family. Everybody felt that you were worth the investment. And loved ones, I know that there are things that need to be dealt with. But my challenge is to everyone, Democrat and Republican, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. The challenge for us is to find the treasure and decide what to keep. Or you'll be, ending, you'll be ending up destroying the treasure with the trash. Trash needs to be burned, but the treasure needs to be saved. And we have to get a grip on that. Here's where we're going to end. There are those that deny the Christ. And I would summarize it by saying this. Jesus... It's not enough to let Jesus be one of many gods. I think 
I think Islam, I think atheism, I think Hinduism, I think Buddhism, I think they deserve the full protection of the law just like Christianity does. But being tolerant of another view does not mean we have to embrace that view. Here's the third thing. Be aware of those who deceive the Christian. He says they're all over the place. And so this is what he says. He says, if you want to stay in the grace of God, he says there are four things to stay in. Number one, abide in the church of God. Abide in the church of God. Now, I'm not talking today about the different, you know, house church, small church, large church. There are advantages and disadvantages to all of those. And I think anybody that thinks they have the, the, the one size fits all cure for what church is, is probably in trouble. But loved ones, I think, and, and, I, and I'm not saying if you don't attend church, you're not a Christian. But I'm saying this, it's harder when you go it alone. And even if it's during this time of pandemic, if it's, if it's online, whatever it is, identify yourself with a body of believers that are your family. Abide in the church of God. John put it this way. He said, when they came into us, it seemed fine, but we knew they weren't of us because they left. Abide in the church of God. Number two, abide in the word of God. Number three, abide in the spirit of God. Okay, so he's telling us abide in the church of God, be connected. He's telling us abide in the word of God. Verse 24, be grounded. Number three, abide in the spirit of God, be empowered. <coughs> and this is what the fourth one is, abide in the son of God, be committed. Loved ones, I know there's a lot of things on the table. There's a lot of things that we're going to have to deal with in coming days. But I want to give you Paul's message. He says that you are surrounded by a spirit in the world that wants to deny Christ. You are surrounded by false teachers and false voices and false websites that, that tell you that uh, uh, it's okay to embrace doctrines that are not rooted in Scripture. He says there are those that are out to deceive you. And the only way you can ensure that you don't fall into deception is to abide in the church, in the word, in the spirit, and in the son of God. Father, help us today. I apologize to you for uh, my eye. I feel like Mike Wazowski. But Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that in the weakness of the flesh, the spirit would anoint the message. What I've said poorly take it to our hearts and say it well. Father, I, I, we're all doing our best to please you, but Lord, let us, let us not have to say like Paul did that I did these things ignorantly in an unbelief. Help us to be on the right track, Father. I pray that you would help our nation. I, I, help, I pray that you would help us resolve this election stuff whether it's already resolved or what, I don't even know how to pray except to say, help us. Help us as a church to rise to the occasion and avoid the trap of deception. If there's anyone here, anyone listening online that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if they're, on, if they're listening to the live stream, they can call the church, the number's on their screen. People are waiting to talk to them. If they are here, either in Brown Chapel or here in the main sanctuary, there are those that would love to pray with them and introduce them to the wonderful Savior of mankind known as Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, help us to enter the kingdom with confidence. Help us to enter the kingdom with clarity. And help us to enter the kingdom with conviction. Father, help us to stop taking our cues from this world, from compromised systems, and help us to go back to the faith that Jude said was once and for all delivered to the saints. It's the gospel. It's not politics that we're, it's not, it's not climate issues. It's not economic patterns. 
Father, all of those things have a place in our lives, but the primary thing we have to decide is what will we do with Jesus? And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love you guys. God bless you. If you have a need that you would love prayer for, please just come forward now. And our prayer ministry team will help you. Our, our ushers will help take you out to where the prayer teams will be ministering to folks, especially if you don't know Jesus. If you have a prayer request, call the number if you're not here with us. Same thing in Brown Chapel. Folks are there to pray with you. I love you. God bless you. And uh, we're going to go forward with the grace of God all over us. I love you. Bless you. Amen.